The reading this evening is taken from Luke chapter 8, uh, beginning at verse 4. You'll find it on page 1037 if you want to follow it in the Bibles. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Steve. Good evening, everybody. I've got a different stool tonight. Some of you were here last week, and I explained that I've got a touch of vertigo, BPPV, for those who want to know, benign something-something vertigo. It shouldn't last too long, but from time to time it just catches me, so I'm sitting on a stool. So uh, It's a sort of ch a church, a dangerous place. If you fall over in a place like this, people are likely to go, more Lord. And actually, I need less of the, if it's, uh, I need less of the vertigo is, is, is the prayer, really. So, so if you wouldn't mind praying less, Lord, for the vertigo for me, that would be great. Um, last week, I had a chair that worked really well, apart from that, it was really squeaky. So midweek, I tried a different bar stool, and I had one with a dodgy gas lift. I sat on it, and then suddenly it went down. So I'm reverting to good, solid wood. We, we should be okay on this one. This is, so let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bow before you, the great teacher, the great healer, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And as we think about this, one of your more famous parables, uh, you see our hearts, you know what sort of soil we are. Till the soil in us, we pray, even as we listen, 
that we would become good soil, fertile ground for your word to take root and bear fruit. So speak through me, but supremely through this parable. And we ask it in your great name. Amen. So as has been acknowledged by Andy and Lizzie in the prayers, uh, it was the coronation yesterday. And it was, it's kind of mesmerizing. Um, this extraordinary amount of pomp and circumstance, and yet at the heart of it, Charles with the robe stripped off, just a shirt, kneeling before the King of Kings for anointing. Something wonderfully profound, just a man. There was the irony of the not my king protest outside saying he's just a man. I thought, that's the whole point of the service. He's <laughs> just a man under God, the King of Kings. And yet you've got this amazing amount of wealth and diamonds and riches and pomp and circumstance. One of my friends was doing some work on the uh, working out how much the crown was worth. I mean, how do you measure something? 444 precious jewels. Someone reckoned about 500 million was what that crown was worth. But it's locked away, the crown jewels. Charles may not handle it ever again. Uh, do you remember there was a program for the Queen's, was it her diamond jubilee or her golden when she was reunited with the crown? She hadn't touched it for 50 years. And she said, is it still heavy? <laughs> Which was... Someone then tried to work out how much Camilla's crown was worth and how much the orb was and these scepters. And they were sort of well into one point something billion of these diamonds and stuff. This extraordinary amount of precious gems and jewels and gold and pomp and circumstance. But the bit that moved me was the thing that was more precious than that. Did you hear the words? when Charles was presented with a Bible. He was, these words were written, were, were said, receive this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom, this is the royal law, these are the lively oracles of God, the living word of God. And because God's word is living, it does stuff. And... Um, here we come to the parable of the sower, where the seed is the word of God. It's, it has life. It does stuff in us and in others. Did you notice as well yesterday, at the, when the gospel was read, they brought out the Bible from Augustine of Canterbury, the man who brought the gospel here uh, in the 6th century or whenever it was. Andy will give us the exact date later, no doubt, but round about then. Um, and there was this old Bible. And you think what that Bible has done, it's the, the, the fruit in Augustine, through him the planting of a church in this country, and what that has done. And here is a parable about the power of God's word, far more precious, far more valuable than all the bling that was on offer at the coronation, because it does stuff. It changes lives, it changes nations. It changes us. Huge power in it. Did you hear at the end of the reading that when it lands in good soil, it can produce a hundredfold? We think of his Jesus probably pointing up to a sower on the hillside, scattering uh, the seed. And some of it's falling on the stone and some on the path and some in the thorns and some on good soil. But it can produce a hundredfold. One little grain of wheat produces all, a, a whole ear. And then all the whole ear can produce more and more. Or I've been waking up in the morning enjoying the blossom on my neighbour's apple tree. And just his, you know, an apple pip can produce an apple tree which can produce thousands of apples that can produce more and more. The power there is in a seed 
when it takes root in a healthy, fertile ground. And here the idea is that God's word is that seed and our hearts can be that ground. But sometimes they may not be. And that's kind of down to us. Because I always think it ought to be called the parable of the soils. The sower, that's Jesus. God is the sower. He sows his word. He's consistent. The seed is God's word. That's absolutely consistent. The variable is these four soils. And the same word of God has a very different effect in the lives of different people because of their soils. So let's look at these four soils. I haven't got anything particularly clever to say about them. I don't need to. Uh, The question is, as we think about it, are we going to really make room for God's word to go deep in us and protect that so it doesn't get choked up, but it can bear the good fruit? Uh, So the first one is the pathway. Uh, the seed on the pathway. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. It doesn't go in. It doesn't bear fruit. Uh, and Jesus tells us what that means. Verse 12. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. It's not even really in one ear and out the other. It just bounces off. The path is kind of the busy place where people walk up and down. It becomes so hard, the seed can't get through at all. And it's kind of that way for people whose lives are so busy, there may be a bit of God's word that goes in and out again, but it just doesn't have time to bear root. I was wondering, of all the people watching the service yesterday, how many are like the pathway? And they've just, there's so much of God's word that was in there yesterday. How much has just bounced off? For them, it's a bit like Jesus' parables. Jesus told us here why, he's, why he tells parables. Let's just put verse 10 up. He says to the disciples, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. For people who aren't really interested, it's just a story. They went to hear Jesus, the crowds were there, they probably saw some healings, they heard his teaching, they went away, nice day out, um, that's, that's the end of it. But for those who come and ask, what does that mean? Then it starts to take root in us. But if it's going to take root in us, we can't be too busy. If we're too busy, it just bounces off. Um, and from time to time, all of us are too busy. One of the best decisions I ever made in my life was to read some of God's word every morning. Occasional days that hasn't happened, but very few. But sometimes I'm so busy that by mid-afternoon I can't remember what I read in the morning. It's just, uh, that's why I tend to journal, because uh, it slows me down. I write down the scriptures. It just helps it go in. I'm trying to just do whatever I can to help it get through the busyness so it starts to take root day by day. So that's the pathway anyway. And for some of you, that's where you are. Your life's too busy uh, and you need to cultivate time to give to God's word to begin to take root in you. Time each day, time to just push back the busyness. Uh, But most of you probably are one of the other soils. Some of you might be the rocky soil. Let's read about that, verse 6. Some fell on rocky ground. When it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. They put the roots down. The roots don't go down very far because the ground's so rocky, so the plant grows up. The sun comes out. It's too hot. There's no moisture. It dies. 
And Jesus tells us what that is. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So we will all have seen people come to faith in Jesus, and they're so excited about it. And then six months later, there's no sign of them. Or a year later, they've given up. What's gone on? The roots haven't gone down. They're like the seed on the rocky soil. It's all on the surface, but there's not much below the surface. There's no depth to the reality of their faith. It starts off okay, but it's just shallow. And when the time of testing comes, and it absolutely will come for every follower of Jesus, it may be testing through difficult circumstances, illness, bereavement, disappointment. It may be more direct persecution. But the number of people who seem to think that God owes them a happy, easy, trouble-free life, that's not promised anywhere in the Scriptures. If we follow Jesus, it won't be easy. It'd be good, but it won't be easy. And testing is allowed. Little bits of testing come our way, and they help us see how our roots are. And if little bits of testing expose the shallowness of our roots, then the thing we need to do is to get the roots down more down where they can be nurtured. Uh, I love this in Psalm 1, one of the great psalms on God's word. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law or the word of the Lord and who meditates on this law or this word day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So here's a picture. Instead of the rocky ground of a tree with its roots right down deep by a river, even when the river dries up, there's still some moisture deep down there. And the way to get the roots down is by meditating, if we can go back to verse 2, is by meditating on God's word day and night. Now, um, people tell me they don't know how to meditate. I always say, do you know how to worry? I've never yet met anybody who doesn't know how to worry. Worrying is meditating on the bad things that might happen. So you know how to meditate. Instead of that, you do this with God's word. You chew over God's word in your mind. Read it, learn it, jot it down, chew it over, think about it. Um, it's a nice verse in Isaiah of a lion meditating its prey. I chewing on it slowly. When I used to have a dog, Dudley's in doggy heaven now, bless him. But we'd give him a bone and he would take it off to the garden and he would meditate that bone. And if we went near him, he would growl. Um, he was a wuss really and we used to just sort of put our hand near the bone, threaten to take it off him and he'd growl, get away from me, I'm meditating my bone. Now we are to be like that with the word of God. And if you are like that, day by day, you will put your roots down. But if you don't, if you just come to church, see your friends, go home, forget all about it, don't pay any more attention to God's word the rest of the week, you'll probably be like the rocky ground. And when testing comes, you won't have the root to last. And it's your choice. Are you going to put those roots down? God's word is there, but he doesn't do it unless you cooperate. If you want to be a superficial Christian, God will allow you to be one. It won't go well. Uh, that can, you can start with joy, but then you give up. Uh, we need to get the roots down. That's the, the second sort.
Uh, the third one, their roots go down. They're, they're not shallow, uh, but other things are happening at the same time. So this is the seed sown among the weeds. Uh, other seed fell among thorns or weeds, which grew up and choked the plants. So there's other things growing in this fertile ground as well. Uh, let's read the explanation. The seed that fell among thorns stand for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. So alongside God's word is also growing a whole lot of other stuff of life. Lots of it good, not all of it good, but just the stuff that we have to deal with. And if that's where all the attention and the effort goes, that's what grows more, and it will choke out God's word. This is normal, everyday things. And I think for the church in the West, particularly for an evangelical church which takes God's word seriously as we do, this is probably the danger for the majority of us, that just other stuff just chokes out God's word. And we have to say no to various things in order to give space for God's word to really grow. If we try and do everything the world is doing and try and do all the things God's doing in us, it just it can't all happen. Uh, that's why... Uh, there's a pruning season that God, God takes us through sometimes to ask us to cut out various good bits in order that the best can flourish. And the key thing is where is our focus? Is our focus on God's word growing in our life or is our focus on just all the other stuff that has to be done? Bills to be paid, cars need taking to the garage, uh, family members need looking after, all this stuff. Where's the focus? So Jesus talked quite often about trusting God. Rather than being choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, not to focus on them instead. Uh, let me read to you from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Uh, and this stands in sort of contrast to the thorny, weedy ground. Jesus says, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Here. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given you as well. So God will provide for our needs, not all our wants. Uh, if anyone here doesn't have enough, one of the ways God provides is we have a hardship fund in this church. Please let us know. It's one of my great pleasures is helping people who haven't quite got enough with money that the church has given. Uh, God promises to provide, and one of the ways he does that here is through our church family. The key thing is seeking first his kingdom rather than seeking first all these other things, and then when there's any time over, I'll give some attention to God's word. And of course, there never is time over. So these other things come and choke it up. Uh, and then there's the good soil. Uh, 
verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he'd said this, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And the good soil, he tells us, uh, stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Uh, it's quite interesting comparing Matthew and Mark as well. You get understand it as well as retain it, accept it. This whole receiving God's word, chewing on it, letting it go deep, sort of keeping the garden weeded so that the thorns don't choke it. And then there is a crop, 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold. It reminded me very much of what Jesus teaches in John 15 about the vine. We just need to be rooted, abiding in the vine, and then we will bear fruit. Do you know this? Let me read this. It's a good commentary, a parallel passage. Jesus says, I'm the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain or abide in me as I also remain or abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, this is why I've gone there, I think, we abide in Christ. His word abides in us. It goes deep. Then ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This is God's plan, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And as I've reflected on it this week, it is extraordinarily simple. If we want our lives to bear fruit for God, we've got the, the, his word will do it. We just need to make sure it's going in and going deep and not choked out by other things. We don't have to go around trying to produce fruit. That's a bit like decorating a Christmas tree. It can look very lovely, but actually the tree is dead. Uh, a healthy tree will grow its own fruit, but it comes slowly, steadily, and slowly. And over a lifetime of people who let God's word go deep, the wonderful fruit that comes in their Christ-like character, in their effect on others, in helping others in different ministries within and beyond the church and in society, is extraordinary. It doesn't come quickly. Fruit grows slowly. But if we, if we let the word go deep, then the fruit will come. Uh, and so in this section of Luke, and Andy's preaching on the next few verses next Sunday morning, but a couple of highlights of the next couple of bits. Jesus is talking about what we do with God's word. So verse 18, consider carefully how you listen. If it's true that if God's word goes deep into us, and will bear fruit, then let's make sure we're listening carefully. Or in the, in the paragraph after that, verse 21, talking about his family, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So in this whole section, Luke's put together stuff about God's word, the fruit it will bear if it goes deep. But we need to give attention to how we listen and how we put it into practice. But that's advanced highlights of next Sunday morning sermon. But if you're not here... Sunday morning, uh, there you go, you've got, you've got it. 
It was obviously a very big decision for me when I was 18 to bow the knee to Jesus as Lord. Lovely to hear Jules talking about that on Alpha a couple of years after you'd been coming here. Uh, And that is obviously the key decision. But I think very close behind that was my decision to read some of God's word every day and to chew on it. It doesn't have to be long, but you need enough time for it to begin to go in. So I recommend a business-like time most days and then perhaps once a week a longer time. Some of you with car journeys, listen to God's word on CD or just on Spotify or however you do it. Listen as you're driving. Or be careful about what songs you listen to. There are some songs full of scripture and it really goes in. That's a good way of getting it in. Uh, For me, it's journaling. I write it down. And just writing it down helps it go in and sometimes later in the day I think goodness me I can't remember what I read this morning I look back and there it is and you can uh, have another meditate on it and the whole idea is that we chew on it we meditate on it and then if you're awake in the night you can uh, meditate on God's word rather than on your worries and just let it go deep and Jesus says if we do that we'll bear fruit 30, 60 or 100 fold so I'll shut up and we'll be still, we'll let the band come back and we'll have a minute or two just praying that in. Would you stand and let's pray? Father, how we praise you for your word and the power, the power in shaping our nation from when Augustine of Canterbury came over and others came to the power of your word down the years. Think of that amazing revival under John and Charles Wesley a couple of hundred years ago. We think of the effect of your words on people who've made such a difference. We pray again for King Charles that he will indeed read your word and it will go deep. And may his faith in you grow stronger and stronger as it did for his mother. But we pray now for ourselves. Come by your spirit. And just in the stillness, would you... Give to us a fresh desire to take your word deep into our lives. And if you may have got, maybe you've got questions, when on earth am I going to do that? How am I going to make the time? Well, start asking the Lord those questions. Lord, would you, by your spirit, show us when and how to make that time, what we need to cut out, how we give time for it. Let's just be still.